welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. When I say revival, this is good for us to just start this talk uh, like this because when I say revival, many of you already have an idea of what revival is. And you have this idea maybe because of, of experiences that you've had. Maybe you have this because of videos or books that you've read or videos that you've watched. But a revival simply can be defined as an improvement in the condition or strength of something. That, that's how you define it. If you Google it, that's what you're going to find. But it's interesting that the word revival is not in the Bible. Did you know that? Nowhere in the Bible, at least in our English translations, do you read the word revival. But we describe revival as this improvement, as this way that, that God upgrades us in some way personally or sometimes as a community. And then when a mass group of people kind of fall into this improvement together, we call it a revival. We're this mass group of people. Now, a lot of people will say in the 1970s, there was the, the, uh, you know, the whole hippie movement and that whole thing, uh, the protests of the Vietnam War. A lot of, a lot of cultural things were happening, but in the, in the midst of all of that cultural uncertainty and unrest, there was a movement that sprang up and young people across our nation fell in love with Jesus, and it became the Jesus People Movement. It was a revival of an entire generation that woke up to the reality of God's love. Now, I am praying that within our cultural uncertainty and the unrest that we're all dealing with, I'm praying for the same kind of movement of God now that there would be a whole new generation of people that would wake up and realize that God loves them and has an amazing plan for them. But it seems like we're just so callous. It seems like we're just so just far from God and, and uninterested as a culture in anything that God would have to say to us, let alone how God would want to move us. But as you study revivals throughout history, you'll see a common denominator throughout every single revival, all the way back into like uh, you know the Old Testament, like we're going to read in Nehemiah. And in the common denominators, there were conditions surrounding the people that made way for this incredible revival to take place within those people. It's almost the way an airplane lands. An airplane can't just decide, hey, I'm going to land and just, just come down and just land you know, in a neighborhood, right? It needs a couple factors. It needs a, a long strip that's smooth and flat so that it can actually land. And I really believe that God is wanting to do incredible things with us personally, incredible things with us nationally, 
But, but there has to be these conditions to take place within us and our hearts in order for this to take place. It's very similar to the conditions that we are hearing told to us about our weather. All these things about climate change and fire seasons and all of this. And the reason we hear a lot of, of talk in this season about fires is because we are moving into a, a season where there are certain specific conditions that make wildfires incredibly potent. And the conditions are really low moisture in the ground, right? It's been, I think, over 140 days since it's rained. So it's really dry. The brush is dry. And firefighters call a lot of that brush, they call it fuel once a wildfire gets going on. Isn't that interesting? Then you have the second condition that happens a lot, and that is this idea of Santa Ana winds, winds coming from the east moving to the west that really create a, a, a heat uh, in the atmosphere. And then you have a third condition, which is low humidity. And you put all those conditions together, and it's the perfect storm for a wildfire to take place. And we've seen wildfires in our area over the last several years in a row, and we're praying against that from happening again. But the reason I bring that up is to tell you that if we want to embrace a revival, that we have to pay attention to the conditions that make way for the revival to take place. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, you see the conditions unfolding for a revival to take place within Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, I'm going to start off at verse 1. And remember, the gates are now restored, the walls are rebuilt. And it was a work of God in 52 days. The, the walls had sat in piles of rubble for 70 years. Everyone lived these defeated lives and just never knowing who's going to come in and rob and pillage them. And in 52 days, this man of God comes on a mission from God and does this great work for God. And so the people recognized that the hand of God had miraculously helped Nehemiah and fueled the whole entire city to get these walls back up. So now that God did this great work for them, they're ready to embrace the work that God wanted to do in them. And that's where we pick up verse one. And it says, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring the book of the law of Moses. This was equivalent to their Bible which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Now, it had been generations since they heard the law read to them like this. It was so far removed from them that this was new information for most of them. They had never heard this news before. So they sat there and they absorbed it. They listened to it because God had just done this miracle for them. And nothing will get your attention in respect to a relationship with God than when you see God move for your life. Some of you have seen God move for your life. Some of you have seen God move for your marriage or your family or maybe even your finances. And then when God does something and, and, 
and, and performs this amazing thing for your life, you're, you're like, okay, God, <laughs> you got my full undivided attention. This is what's happening. Been generations since, they, since they've heard this news. In a verse, jump down to verse five. Ezra opened the book. And all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted up their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's powerful. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. So they started explaining the book to them. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that they had been made known to them. So they're listening. They're embracing the law of God, all the ways that God had always wanted to move for them and how in their disobedience, they moved themselves away from God. And God said, when this would happen, all of this headache and heartache would break loose. And so they're listening to this going, wow, if we had just stayed close to God, we would not have had to live all of our lives with heaps of rubble surrounding us. We could have enjoyed this amazing relationship with God where God would move for us and give us favor from heaven and so they were broken over the promises that they missed out on and check out what Nehemiah does he he says stop weeping stop mourning because you guys return to God like this is equivalent to in the New Testament Jesus gives a parable it's famously called the parable of the prodigal son and in the parable that Jesus gives, he talks about a son that had demanded his father to give his inheritance before the father had died. And the father reluctantly gave it to the son. The son then left, squandered all of his father's wealth on just scandalous living, broke, lost it all, was broke, and then ended up deciding that I'm going to go back to my father and at least I could be a servant to my father's household because it will be better than how I'm living right now. And so the son was expecting the father to come undone on him and to just, you know, come, come against him. And as the son is humbling himself out, walking up the driveway in the story of the prodigal son, Jesus says that the father saw the son coming from afar and didn't even let the son get up the driveway. He runs and meets him as the son is coming up, embraces him, throws a robe around him, puts new sandals on his feet and a ring on his finger and says, hey, my son, welcome home. We are throwing a party in your honor. 
So the perspective of how God treats people that are returning to him was not only given in the New Testament, but it is demonstrated in the Old Testament with the book of Nehemiah that here these people were lost. They were far from God. They had forgotten about the law of God. And they're hearing the law of God saying, yes and amen. And man, we're so broken. We need to follow God again. And they did. And Nehemiah says, it's time to party. The God that we serve is not here to meet you and to condemn you of what you've done. He's here to greet you and to bring you in and to make you his son and his daughter. And he wants to party because you are returning home. That's the God that we serve. That is the God of the Old Testament. And that is the God of the New Testament. And that is the God that we preach here at Atmosphere Church. He's a God that parties down when a son or daughter comes home. That's why we have that banner out there that says, welcome home. Welcome home. We're ready to see what God is going to do with your future. So here are these people. They're all experiencing this moment together where the, the nickel drops, so to speak. And they're realizing, wow, we have blown it, but God loves us and is coming close to us again, wow, this is amazing. Like, we want to serve God. We want to worship God. We'll fall on our faces. Like, what do we need to do? We want to be right with God. I had that moment when I was a freshman in high school. I went to this Christian camp called Hume Lake. How many have heard of Hume Lake? Okay, I went to Hume Lake, and I was there, and I was with the church, and I had been going to youth group, but I had never, I had never really embrace this idea of God wanting a personal relationship with my life. And I'm a freshman. I'm figuring life out. My family had went through a tragedy years earlier that actually led me into a youth group, but I was just attending and being a goofy middle school kid. But my freshman year of high school, I was sitting there listening to the speaker up at Hume, and the speaker started telling me about the relationship that Jesus wanted to have with me. That he died on a cross so that I could be forgiven and so that I could be restored in a relationship with God. That God wanted to do amazing things with my life and for my life. And the speaker said, if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to dismiss everybody. But if you're ready to follow Jesus, stay after. And some people are going to stay back with you and they're going to pray with you. And so they dismissed and all my friends left me. I'll go and we're going to go chase girls and do all this stuff, you know. But I stayed back. And just the tears just started coming out my, my eyes. And I had, a, I had this, this moment where everything just became crystal clear to me. Can you recall a moment like that in your faith, in, in your relationship with God, where just, it just, the nickel dropped for you? I think if you think about it, you probably will remember it. Mine was so clear. Now, now keep this in mind, and now imagine us all having that moment at the same time together at the same place. Can you imagine how powerful that place had to be at that moment? Everybody is realizing this. Because what happened is, when the word of God was being proclaimed over them, it was renewing them. There was a renewal taking place over their lives 
a renewal that they didn't even realize they needed. They just saw the walls rebuilt and the gates restored, but what they needed more than the walls rebuilt and the gates restored is they needed their souls to be renewed. And there was a renewal that happened the moment they heard the word of God proclaimed over their life. And one of the most important conditions for revival to take place, not just for us as a community, but for you personally, is you have to be renewed by the hearing of the word of God in your own life. And this is why the word of God is so important for your life. It's not just something that we do, it's just our Christian duty, like read your Bible. No, we believe that when you are reading the Bible, when you're speaking the Bible, when you're coming to a church service, when maybe you're, you're at a Bible study, at a life group, and somebody's reading scripture, when you are listening to the word of God, there's a renewing of your mind that is taking place. And when we think about being renewed, I want you to think about it as not just this event that happened one time in your life. Like when the Bible talks about renewal, it, it talks about a continual renewal that God wants to continue to do with our lives. Let me take you to scripture that you've probably heard if you've been to church before, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a, a continual idea of this verse that if you want to live a transformed life, then it begins by allowing God to renew you and continue to renew your mind. And it takes the word of God being spoken over you and in you for you to experience this renewal that he has for you. How many remember the old Peanuts cartoon strip, you know, with Snoopy and Charlie Brown? Remember that character Pigpen? How many remember Pigpen? You know, it just went, every time Pigpen would walk around, there would be this cloud of dust. I kind of feel like, in a way, we're all Pigpen. We, we just, we don't really have to do anything for dirt just to get attracted to our life. The first time I went hiking here, everyone hikes around here, so we're like, well, let's go hiking. We actually literally have a trail right at our house. It's so awesome. So I remember the first time I went hiking, and I was like, we're not going to do anything crazy. Just took a regular path, a beginner's trail. And we took the trail for miles and came home. I was like, you know, that was nothing. I didn't have like hiking shoes on or anything. But I came home, it was so weird. I was covered in dirt. I'm like, but all I did was walk on this path that is walked on by so many people. But it's amazing the dirt that you can pick up just by living in a dirty environment. Hello. We live in a broken world that is filled with filthiness and dirtiness, and it's just everywhere. And you can have every intention to live clean, pure, holy lives, but you just living in this world, there's just gonna be dirt that just naturally tracks itself to your life. And what we see here is this constant renewal is God's way of kind of washing us. It's like when I, I got back from the hike, I, I cleaned off my clothes, I took a shower, and just was like my, my face got cleaned. I felt so much better. When we are in the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, 
and embracing the Word of God. It's giving us that renewal where we are getting washed. Matter of fact, Paul says it this way in another book of the Bible. He says, we are washed by the water of the Word. He cleanses us and allows us to live the transformed life by a continual renewal that he activates when we give ourselves over to the word of God. Now, this is why, as a church, we highly, we, we, we put this as a, as a high emphasis, we highly emphasize reading the Bible daily. Just opening your Bible, and we have a daily Bible reading plan that we follow, and we encourage you to follow along with us so we have common ground to talk about. I do a program on Facebook Live every Thursday where we do the daily Bible reading. We do a summary of it. But it's an Old Testament chapter and a New Testament chapter. And we emphasize this because every time, I don't care what book of the Bible you're in, we're in the book of Leviticus, the the book that most of us are like, no, thank you. (laughs) And I'm telling you, just by reading it and embracing it, God is there on scene to help renew us so that he can activate the transformation that he wants to do with our lives. See, if some of you, the only time you're really embracing and listening to the word of God on, is on Sundays, it's gonna be hard for you to live a transformed life. I'm just gonna be honest with you. What would happen to you if you just ate once a week? What, what kind of physical condition would you be in, really? Would you be strong enough to actually, you know, do what you do or, you know, at least you know, just function. You, you need to eat daily. And I think just like we eat daily, we need to absorb the word of God daily. I love this quote by another pastor. It says, the Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. Isn't that good? The Bible is meant to be d- bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. So I want to give you Pastor Jim's top three big benefits of being in the word of God. This isn't an exhaustive list. But as I've walked with God through the years, these are the benefits that I've seen personally happen for my life as I've given myself over to embracing and listening to the word of God and the renewal that comes with it. So write these down if you're taking notes. Number one is it affirms your God-given identity. I will tell you this, right now we have an epidemic of a spiritual identity crisis in many, many believers' lives. They don't even know who they are. They made a decision maybe years ago to follow Jesus, but you wouldn't know that by just looking at their life and talking to them. There's been an identity theft that has taken place with many believers that are supposedly following Jesus. And a lot of that is, is if we're not in the word on a regular basis, we're listening to the narrative of everything else around us. And the narrative of everything else around us is negative. Some of you, your identity is rooted in that third grade bully that pushed you off the swings and told you that you were fat or you were ugly or that you were a loser. And so every time you see yourself in the mirror, you see yourself as fat, you see yourself as ugly, you see yourself as a loser. Isn't that incredibly sad that we're letting the words of an eight-year-old paralyze us from living out the identity that Christ died to give us? That is incredibly sad, but some of us are living that way. Maybe it's not the third grade bully, maybe it's 
a mom or dad? Who said, six and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That is not true. Some of us, unfortunately, are living with the echo of a parent figure in our life telling us we'll never amount to anything. We'll never get our act together. We're a complete failure. Some of us, it's not the voice of a parent, but it's the voice of social media as we compare our lives to everybody else's lives on Instagram. And that voice pops up. Your husband doesn't do that for you. Your family doesn't look like that. You're not succeeding in life. You're not making it. You're not making a difference. And so we have all of these constant voices that are coming at us. And if we're not in the word of God, reminding ourselves of the identity that we rightfully have in God, we're going to let those voices dictate to us. But when we're in the word of God, we hear things all the time of God just in, in the narrative of the passages that we're reading. The gospels, the New Testament, where we're affirmed all the time. Things like the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're not that old guy anymore. You're not that old lady anymore. You are a new creation in Christ. Tell somebody next to you, say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Tell them that. Declare it. Because that's what God says about you. You know what God says about you? You're loved. You know what God says about you? You're forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done and where you've been. God has declared forgiveness over your life because of what Jesus Christ has done for your life. You're a new person filled with the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in you. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're an heir to the throne. You're a royal priesthood. You're a people for God. The list goes on and on. Thank you. But when you're in the word of God, you're reminded of your true identity. This is who you are. You're not all those other things. Maybe you were at one point, but now it's a game changer that Christ is living in you. So it affirms your God-given identity. Number two, write this down. It helps you fight the enemy. I talked about this two weeks ago. There's an enemy that wants to see you fail and not succeed as a follower of Jesus. And the word of God equips you to fight against the enemy that is a, that, that's fighting against your life. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul writes this whole spiritual warfare narrative out, and he says, you know what, as a, as a child of God, you're also a soldier of God, and as a soldier of God, you gotta suit up, you gotta armor up. You gotta be prepared that there is an adversary and he's after you and you have to stand firm in your faith. And the way you do that is you put on this armor and he goes through this whole list of all the armor and then he ends it by saying this. He says, and then there is the sword of the spirit. All these other pieces of the armor are defensive. Then he says, and then there's the sword of the spirit. The only offensive part of the armor, he says, that is the word of God. The way you fight against the enemy that is fighting against you is through the word of God. We just read this in our devotion this week in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the same enemy that is tempting you in your life. Jesus faced that temptation. 
And he's going out there in the wilderness, and we read that every time the, the enemy showed up and gave him this temptation, Jesus came after him by giving the word of God as a counterpunch. And it's one thing to read something. It's another thing to declare it with your mouth out loud. And some of you are missing out on so much power from your faith by not speaking out the word of God. When I was a young man, I had some struggles that, praise God, I don't struggle with anymore. But as a young man and as a young follower of Jesus, I was battling some temptations. And an older believer came into my life and said, Jim, you, you've got to memorize scripture. You've you got to give these scriptures out and, and speak them out loud in the face of any temptation or struggle that you have. And I, and I took them literally. And so I got some verses and one that transformed my life and helped me finally see victory in my struggle was 1 John 4, verse 4. It's not a difficult verse to memorize, but it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Completely revolutionized my faith. Why? Because I knew by declaring that out loud, my own soul was being reminded that even though the enemy is powerful, the God that is now living in me is more powerful. And even though the enemy is coming against me to fight me, God's power in me has given me every weapon I need to see victory against the enemy that's coming against me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I saw victory. There is a demonic presence that is seeking your demise. How many saw the viral video this week of the cougar going after the guy in Utah? How many saw that go viral? You got to Google this later. It's so unsettling. And I, hand, I have to hand it to this hiker, man. He handled himself really well. Really well. Don't turn your back on the cougar. <laughs> and he backed away and finally something spooked it. But, but listen, there is demonic principalities that are just waiting for the opportune time to come after you. But I gotta give you a word. You can't defeat your demons if you're still enjoying their company. You can't defeat your demons if you're still enjoying their company. There has to be a fight in you to say enough is enough. I'm not gonna let them sabotage my future. I'm not gonna let them come against my family in, in any way, shape, or form. I'm giving myself over to the word of God so I can see victory over my temptations. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you got to fight for your rights. Some of you 80s people, you know what I was doing. All right. You Gen Zs, you can ask them later. You can ask me later. But it helps you fight the enemy. Here's the third thing. Write this down. we got to get out of here. And that is it brings you personal clarity. It brings you personal clarity. When you're in the Word of God, this renewal that he's, that he's doing for your life, it's not just something out there. It's something personal for in here. That God, in, in his power, he's able to take these words that were written down thousands of years ago, not just hundreds, thousands of years ago, and he's able to use those verses and he's able to personally speak into the circumstances and situations that you're currently going through. How many have ever read a scripture in the Bible or maybe heard it preach at a church service, and then you left your Bible study time, you left the church service, you turn on the radio, and something on the radio 
said the exact same verse that you just were reading about or the pastor was just talking about. And then you go a little bit later and somebody texts you that same verse. It's like, God, are you chasing me? He is, kind of. He's trying to give you a personal revelation through his written word. This is, in the Greek language, this is the difference of the word rhema and the word logos. I'm going to teach you a little Greek right now. Go to uh, Romans 10, verse 17. You could see it on the screen. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the rhema word of Christ. And the difference is lo- between rhema and logos. Rhema is personal for you. It's like a personal revelation. It's a heavenly revelation for you. It's a rhema. And logos is the written word, the, the actual transcribed word. And so what God will do is he will use the logos, the written word, our Bibles, to speak into our lives a rhema, a personal revelation for your life in whatever it is that you're going through at the moment. My daughter, not too long ago, and I I got her permission to share the story, is she was struggling in this relationship and God was was talking to her about it and, and she made a decision that was very difficult for her, but she made it anyway because she knew that God was speaking to her to do it. And as I was praying for my daughter, God gave me Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. I knew it was God. I just felt it. I felt the nudge. I call it feeling that nudge. And so I texted her. I said, "Hun, God put you on my heart, and, and he really wants to speak to you through this scripture. So she read it, and this is what it says. It says, forget the former things, Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not receive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Really encouraging verse. But what made it powerful was that after I gave it to her, somebody right after that, friend requested her on Instagram. And she went to this person's bio, and guess what the scripture was on their bio? Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. She's like, whoa, that's that's a weird coincidence. Then she goes to the bank. This is within one hour. She goes to the bank to make a deposit. And as she's standing in line, she looks up at the person that is in front of her in line. And they are wearing a Christian t-shirt. And guess what scripture is on the back of this t-shirt? Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Come on! Would God go out of his way to affirm his daughter that he's doing something new and in order for her to embrace the new, she has to release the old? Absolutely, he does it all the time. Not just for my daughter, he does it for me and he'll do it for you. This is the personal clarity that we're talking about and you can't expect to have that personal clarity as I call them, the heavy revies from God unless you're opening the scriptures and saying, God, what do you want to say to me today? And you come there with a, a pen and a piece of paper, and you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, and I'm going to hear and listen to what you have to say for my situation, what's going on. And he will do it every time. I guarantee it. He will take, maybe it's out of two chapters, it'll be one verse, and he'll highlight and say, that's for you, my friend. Take it, put it in your pocket, because this is for you. I had that moment on Thursday. Luke 6 was our devotion reading, and I read it, and there are a lot of content in there, but one thing that highlighted to me was whatever measure you measure out, it'll be measured back to you, and I was like, wow, that's, that's powerful, so it was speaking, Jesus is speaking about the power of generosity, and, 
he's going he's gonna to be generous as much as you're generous out to other people. And I was like, man, you know what? I need to be more generous. Like, I'm generous, but I need to be more generous. And so it was like kind of rooted in me at that point. Two hours later, a friend of mine texts me this devotion that just really helped him that day. Guess what the scripture was? Luke chapter 6. Two weeks ago, I reached out to a church in Compton, California, and we have been praying about partnering with some inner city churches so that we can help build the bridge of unity in this whole crazy unrest of the racism issues that are being thrown around and talked about. So we're, I'm like, let's, let's be an example. So I've been actively praying and seeking churches that Atmosphere Church can be partnered with and, and so that we can be generous towards them, they can be generous towards us, we can have a unified uh, church, black and white, coming together. And that day that I get Luke 6, I had a return phone call from a pastor who's also an active Los Angeles County deputy sheriff. And he's been pastoring for a long time, been a sheriff, uh, deputy sheriff for 37 years, and we're having lunch next week so we could talk about this. But all that to say, God was speaking to me about generosity and he did it through his word. What things are you missing out on by not opening the Bible? Ways that God is wanting to not just renew your mind, but wanting to give you personal clarity in the circumstances and situations that you're struggling with. So I could go on and on on the benefits, but I would say if you were to ask me my top three of the benefits of being in the word of God on a daily basis, those would be my top three. And I think those are good reasons enough and we should leave it there. But that's, again, that's not an exhaustive list. There's so much that God wants to do in your life as you are in his word. And it, it, it really tees up. It really prepares you to receive the personal revival that he's wanting to do in you. Because we can't expect a national revival of Jesus doing an awakening with our nation if we're not even living awake ourselves personally. Revival out there begins with right revival in here. I'm gonna have the worship team come up and I'm gonna give you one more verse or one more scripture. Psalm 1, chapter one through three. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The first psalm out of our Bibles declares to us the power of not just listening to the word of God, but activating the word of God inside of our own souls. He says, when you do this, it changes everything and produces a life that only God could produce in the same way that God rebuilt the walls and restored the gates. God wants to do a work in you to renew your soul. So we need to stop looking at the word of God as like some Christian chore where we're checking the box off and get back to looking at the word of God like getting into the treasure box. How many of you grew up going to a dentist 
or a pediatrician that after the appointment was over, the nurse or the, the office worker would take you to the treasure box. And man, you, you endured the stress of being with that dentist drilling on your mouth. You endured that needle going into your arm because you knew after that came the treasure box. I knew as a little kid that when I would get in that treasure box, I was gonna get something so fun and so good. See, we need to look at the Word of God as our personal treasure box that God has made available for us to get in every single day where we get to get in that and just pull something out and God's saying, you're my son, you're my daughter. Take this treasure and use it to change your life and even change other people's lives. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. Mm-hmm.